to have that assurance. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's a that's an important, uh, you know, point that you bring up that confession is the beginning of the walk with the Lord. It's the, it's the recognition that we are sinners and that without Him we can't take the next step. And that 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 first step is Lord, I am a sinner. You know, and and yeah, it's important that we we put that up as in, as something that's important to the church. You know, as leaders in the church to. to to be intentional, as you said, to be, in. and we we here at Whitefields, we're very intentional about what we want to present on Sunday morning. Start with a call to worship. We want to start with the Word of God. That is, we begin and end with the Word of God. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Clay Whirl. He was our guest speaker on Sunday, and uh, he taught on the call to confession from James chapter 5, verse 16, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But if you missed that, any of that, whitefieldschurch.com, get over there and you can download that. And you definitely want to do that. And of course, any of your favorite streaming platforms, whether that is YouTube or Facebook or Apple or Google or whatever it is that you enjoy on Spotify, you know, and if you would, you know, give us, you know, rate and review, thumbs up. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe. All these things, you know, help to just lift everything into the proverbial, you know, uh, algorithm that controls everything and that when somebody's Googling, you know, confession, you know, then we're probably rise to the top and we can provide Christ-centered and gospel-centered answers to their questions. But uh, so, Clay, we were talking on Sunday about the topic of confession. Everybody loves the topic of confession, of course. So <laughs> of course James do. chapter five sixteen says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you... Uh, maybe healed. I remember at the end of the service, you said, you know, we're all going to recite this confession together. Like nobody just scream out your sins out here yeah. right now. That would be really awkward. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's really, that's kind of what, you know, you were talking about getting into a place of kind of intimacy with somebody. So let's just talk about kind of what, you know, just kind of give us an idea, a synopsis of, of that whole, whole sermon like, and what yeah. you were trying to get at. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, this sermon, the origin of, of this this sermon, or at least my thinking leading up to this, really started um, uh, quite what a few years ago when I was pastoring um, my church in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, when we were kind of stepping into a little bit more intentional structure to our worship service um, and looking at the rhythms that were in our our service, recognizing the fact that you know, we had a liturgy. Liturgy just means things that you do kind of over and over again, the rhythms that you have, right? And um, wanting to make sure that we had intentionality behind absolutely everything that we're doing and, and looking at, at scripture and understanding that confession is actually a major theme throughout scripture. And like I talked about on, on Sunday, it's something that we see in the very first pages of our Bible, when when God uh, responds to the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve, he responds in a way that I believe was designed to try to call out confession or them giving our first parents the opportunity to speak the truth about what they had done um, so that there could potentially be reconciliation. And of course, Genesis chapter 3 
Adam and Eve failed to confess. They blamed one another. Um, but then you see throughout the rest of the narrative of Scripture this consistent response to sin where God calls for confession, and then from confession, <clears throat> excuse me, can come repentance and then reconciliation, and all of that culminating in the person and work of Jesus as Jesus came to die for our sins, um, to resurrect in victory over our sin in the way that we first come to Christ is through first owning the fact that we're a sinner, confessing our sin, and then repenting of that sin, being reconciled with God and having assurance in him. And so because that's such a major theme in scripture and in the gospel, um, I really wanted to make sure that we were giving that enough space and, and attention in our Sunday rhythms and in our corporate gatherings. And, and so we brought a a corporate confession into our church service. And so the origin of this sermon that I shared with you guys on Sunday was really me explaining this concept to my church in, in Pleasanton, in the Bay Area. Um, and it's something that I feel like we as the Western evangelical church need to hear because I think it is something that's kind of fallen out of um, just kind of popular practice within the, the Western evangelical church specifically. Yeah, and you've brought up some of the reasons of that and and uh, in your sermon, but just to kind of take it all the way back, if you, you know, I I myself probably grew up in an environment where liturgy was a four-letter word, mm -hmm. you know, Same. and most, yeah. yeah, most churches, like you mentioned the word liturgy, they're going back to the old times, you know, like, or into, you know, old churches with hymnals and things like that, and everything seems old and crusty and those kind of things, yeah. but when you study and you look, go back and you look at how liturgies came about, catechisms and these kind of things and realized that they were so, they were tools for, you know, many times your congregations were illiterate. It was ways for them to understand the importance and the order. Things, as you said, a liturgy is basically how we do things. Yeah. And so you could say that every single church 100% has a liturgy, yes. right? Yeah. So why, why do you think though that we have kind of moved away, even if we don't call it liturgy, like order of things, uh, you know, I grew up in charismatic circles many times and it's mm -hmm. like, it was anathema to bring a song list to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the church service. We're going to be led by the spirit, you yeah, know, and, yeah, yeah. and of course my personality is to be very prepared, you yes. know, and, you know, and within that try, you know, be, be spontaneous, be led by the spirit. But yeah. there's obviously some liturgy, something Basically, a liturgy is what we consider to be important, right? Mm -hmm. So why do you think that just we've kind of gone away from having that idea of order within our service and presenting things that are important to our congregation? Yeah, you know, I, I think that so much as you look at church history and, and um, you know, any, any movement— um, whether it be the Reformation or the Jesus movement of which Calvary Chapel is a product of and stuff, there's always a certain amount of reactionary, um, just reactionism that happens there where something has kind of gone awry because man's gotten involved and something's gotten unhealthy. Um, and then usually there's really good and pure origin where the spirit of God kind of breaks from that unhealth and does a new thing. But because human beings are involved, we tend to, I think, react to what was done a certain way, maybe in an unhealthy way in the past and overcorrect and let the pendulum swing kind of in the opposite direction. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happened within the Western evangelical church is a lot of, of, 
the, I guess, religious background of some who have come to faith in the evangelical church um, would be kind of the high church traditions, Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox and things like that, um, that truly in many cases is dead. You know, the services are dead. The churches are dead. There's not a whole lot of real vibrant, actual faith in Jesus and life following Jesus. And so the, the, the formal kind of liturgical structure was sort of thrown out like the baby in the bathwater as this new thing happened, as the spirit of God began to, to move and, and plant these really vibrant living and organic churches. Um, but I think what the danger is with that is if we're so focused on being, um, organic and, and being, um, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of just like spontaneous and loosey goosey, then we can actually lose some of our intentionality and perhaps miss things that the scriptures hold to be foundational and very important. And I think that's part of what has happened with this whole idea of confession. Yeah, no, I like that word intentionality. Um, you know, I think confession no, as you said, confession's not one of those things that we want to do all the right. time. So that's something really that you need to be intentional about. Yeah. How how do you you know thinking about okay maybe on a Sunday morning you guys brought it into you know into a public confession yeah in like a, like we did we practiced on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ways you think that that confession can be you know kind of. Yeah, brought in or into the fabric, or as you say, into the rhythms of your church. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, your church body. Yeah, that's a great question because not everybody is going to want to have a corporate confessional prayer as part of the Sunday gathering. And I'm not saying that that has to be the case, you know, certainly not. Um, And I think there are many other ways that confession can be a part of the corporate gathering with intentionality um, that is not so traditionally liturgical as us all saying a prayer together of confession. Um, I think one way actually can be in in the worship and even in the musical worship and the song choices that a, a worship leader is choosing and even the way that a worship leader is leading the church as um, we're corporately singing together through perhaps some prompts in between songs, some prayers that we're praying and some songs that we're choosing. Um, I think it can be there. I think it can be something that is brought into the small group setting where there's a time to pause and talk with vulnerability and transparency about struggles in the week and, and where leaders are able to lead with vulnerability in showing that, hey, my life isn't perfect. I don't have it all together. Like I've struggled this week. You know, there's, there's that um, cliche pastor's sin where it's like road rage. It's like, I sin too. You know, I got angry with somebody on the road the other day and, and, um, and that's like so mild and it's like an acceptable struggle. Right. So we'll talk about that from the pulpit, but, but I think having just a building a culture of, of, you know, vulnerability and honesty in the fact that we're not perfect. We all sin and we all struggle and we can own that. And like I said, on Sunday, we don't have to get into specific, you know, uh, details necessarily, but but um, but we can um, make it known that this is a a thing that everybody deals with and walks through is this this flesh that wars against the spirit, and we are not perfect. We fail every week, and we need to be reminded that that the process of sanctification starts with consistent confession, and then from there can come true repentance, and then freedom 
and and continued victory that that is found in um, the assurance that we have in Jesus. You know, confession is not good without insurance. <laughs> assurance, exactly, we have to yeah. have that assurance. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a that's an important uh, you know point that you bring up that. Confession is the beginning of the walk with the Lord. It's the, it's the recognition that we are sinners and that without him, we can't take the next step. And that, you know, that, that first step is, Lord, I am a sinner, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, it's important that we, we put that up as an, as something that's important to the church, you know, as leaders in the church to, to, to be intentional, as you said, to be, a, and we, we here at Whitefields, we're very intentional about what we want to present on Sunday morning start with a call to worship we want to start with the word of God that is we begin and end with the word of God it's important and you know we want to sing Christ-centered gospel-centered songs and and we want to do it as a group as a body and then we want to get into the word and then we want to pray with one another yeah and then we want to you know send people out with the benediction that's right you know and and that these this is we want God going with you and Mm -hmm. and those kind of things and and I think this is a very important aspect of it the one thing you bring up is just the the idea of us all saying something together yeah um you know, I think the scripture, you know, it tells us to admonish one another. We have that idea of we uh, so many times when yeah. the body of Christ is together. Um, you know, w- what do you think about those kind of things? Like, I, I've introduced, uh, you know, over the over the years, I prayed prepared prayers. Like Valley yeah. of Vision is a great resource Absolutely. for those kind of things. Where, you know, you I last this last Easter prayed a prayer of repentance. Over the entire church, it was prepared. I think it was from the 1700s. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah. it was somebody who had well thought of. What do you think about those kind of things, you know, uh, within church, you know, the importance of doing those kind of things that are to, you know, you do it as a group. Yes. Saying the same words. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm all I'm all for it. And, and so uh, a couple of things. One, I think that the significance of that, praying with one voice and, 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 and reciting scripture together with one voice. I think that's symbolic. I think it's powerful in, in, in showing that we are unified in Christ. We are one body. And I think having things like prepared and intentional prayers, like what we prayed together on Sunday with the confession prayer that I, I wrote, um, that was very intentionally Trinitarian in nature. And it covered the fact that we're confessing, repenting and being assured, um, it within that prayer. And, and, and so that preparation that went into that and that tensionality doesn't make it any less, um, genuine, uh, than something that's, that's prayed on, on the spot, you know? And, and I'm not even opposed to the same prayers and the same things being said week after week. And I know that oftentimes the critique that comes with that is, well, that's vain repetition, right? And Jesus told us not to pray with vain repetition. To which my response is always, hey, repetition is only vain when you don't mean it. Jesus isn't implying that repetition is always vain. If that was the case, so much of the old covenant instruction to God's people would be vain and null and void, right? Um, it's, it's, it becomes vain when it loses its meaning. And I think we can and we have a responsibility um, to, to have uh, um, that, that meaning, that, that honesty and that um, attention to what we're, we're, we're praying, what we're saying, even if we're doing the same thing over and over. And, and the truth is, is when we do have repetition, um, 
it's it's actually proven by by even secular studies that repetition is actually what ingrains things into our psyche and into our minds and into our hearts. And I think that's something that God designed us with. Um, hence, like when we raise our children, they repeat things over and over. They want to watch the same shows over and over again, because that's how things are learned and become second nature to us. Um, and I, I, I think that's one of the beauties of, of us as as the corporate body of Christ, having rhythms that have intentionality and thought behind them that we're doing consistently and over and over again, because that becomes so ingrained into our minds and into our hearts and into our psyches that when something happens in life where everything falls apart, where a tragedy happens or, or, um, something that just kind of puts us in that place where we just can't think. And everybody's had that experience at one point or another. Um, those liturgies, those prayers, those things that are memorized and ingrained, those are truths that we can come back to and cling to even we can, when we can think of nothing else, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a very, very important point. And, uh, you know, one of the, you know, it's one of the beauties of music, you know, that's that, right. that there's vain repetition, if you want to say that. But <laughs> Not vain, just repetition, yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's so important that yeah. we, we sing songs that are gospel-centered, Christ-centered, right. so that when people walk out, we want them singing those truths Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Because That's right. The truth is, is that you you have your congregation on a Sunday morning, maybe a community group, and then the rest of the the time they're being bombarded by other messages. Yeah, and that's within right. that, it's good to you know let's let's talk about it. let's have this you know prayer of confession that they remember or this particular verse or these things that we do over and over again so that there is that structure within the chaos that the world presents us with every single every single week and so just on that note you know it's you know we can kind of bring this to a close but you did talk about some of the benefits and I just want to kind of talk about because you know one of the verses that came to my mind was you know John eight thirty two is you know you know those uh, the truth is going to set you free you know that whole idea and that's just such a a burden being lifted from our shoulders that's and right so you know just kind of let's talk about some of you know maybe just kind of rehash some of those points that you yeah. had from sunday just as some takeaways today yeah yeah absolutely I, I do think that that consistent confession personal interpersonal and corporate, you know, as followers of Jesus, um, is something that has immense benefits for us. Um, it's a gift of grace. I think I would say it that way that God calls us to and design in order to keep us, uh, free, you know? Um, and what I mean by that, and this is what I talked about on, on Sunday, is the first thing that it does is it, it, it guards us from the entrapment or the, the entanglement of, of sin. And I mentioned that briefly, how Hebrews 12 says um, that sin so easily ensnares us, right? It's a call to, to be free from that. Um, and uh, if we leave sin unconfessed and therefore unrepented of, um, there's that foothold for that sin to grab a hold of us and entangle us or ensnare us. Whereas when we're bringing and I often say it like this, like, um, the, the darkness is the domain of the, the enemy, right? Um, and Jesus is the light. So as long as we're keeping sin in the darkness, it's keeping it in the domain of the, of, of the enemy. Um, as soon as we bring that to the light, that's where freedom comes because that's the domain of, of Christ. And, and so as we do that, um, it 
it, it keeps us from being able to be, um, have that sin cling to us. Um, so I think there's that, but then I also think that it guards us from either one of the temptations that we tend to, to go towards in regards to self-righteousness, right. Um, or condemnation. And, and usually depending on your personality type, you err to one or the other of those, uh, to thinking that you're better than you are or thinking that you're more worthless than, than you are. Right. And I think confession kind of neutralizes both of those. Um, for those who err towards, uh, self-righteousness, confession is a consistent reminder that you're not perfect, (laughs) you know, on your own, you're not righteous, but the righteousness of Christ is sufficient for you, you know? Um, but you're still just as dependent, like I said on Sunday, just as dependent on the grace of God today as the day you first placed your faith in Jesus. So, so that's the reminder for those who err towards self-righteousness. But then for those who err towards condemnation, I believe confession guards against that just as well in the sense that when sin is hidden, again, that's when the lies of the enemy can come in and say, look at that, you know, you're, you're wicked, you're undeserving, you don't deserve to pray, you, you're not actually a Christian, you can't go to church, you know, and, and many of us have felt those feelings or heard those, those voices in our subconscious before. Um, but confession, when you're doing it in the way that God calls us to, it never stops with, yes, I'm a sinner, but it then continues on to the truth that I'm a sinner who has been forgiven and set free, um, by the, the radical sacrifice of Christ, um, on my behalf. And, and so even though I'm a sinner, I'm a forgiven sinner. And, and then that is where condemnation ceases to be condemnation and becomes conviction, which draws us close to God rather than away from him. Yeah, no, that's, that's an important thought. Cause I, you know, as you said, condemnation, many times when people feel condemned, they, they stay away from the very thing that brings that's right. relief. And they, they stay away from coming within the, the confines of the body of Christ or within that meeting with that friend or, or with the pastor or somebody that they might trust. And it keeps them away. They could feel like, you know, as you said, Satan says you shouldn't be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. But, of course, but Jesus makes that possible That's for right. us to be yeah. in the presence of God. And he is faithful to forgive us if we turn to him and and, and ask for forgiveness. And so that's just a beautiful truth to, to think about. So, hey, if you missed that on Sunday morning, whitefieldschurch.com, James chapter 5, verse 16, the call to confession. And, you know, that's why we have the church, the body of Christ. Mm. It's just a place. It is the place. It's good. Well, God has given us the church. And it's the place where we should be able to come find rest in him. And come and be able to commune with one another, fellowship with one another, pray with one another, confess to one another. And in all of that, bring everything into the light. And there's so much power in that. So that's, of course, our prayer for our church here, that we would be moving in that. And these these healthy rhythms of church life that mm. remind us of who God is. And yeah. so we just thank so much, Clay, for being with us. And I uh, didn't introduce you at the beginning, but you are the executive director of Calvary Global uh, Network. That's right. And uh, you were just here in Colorado visiting and making connections and mm-hmm. uh, just so many great things going on with that. So we wish you all the best thank with you. that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. And God bless.